The Bain Free Radio Hour. On the podcast, E-Arcs and Bloodline Sparks, Broken Worlds and Gunfights in Space, plus more audio drama featuring Eric Flint's Islands, all right now. Welcome to the Bain Free Radio Hour podcast. It's an honor to have you along. I'm Bain Senior Editor Tony Daniel. I want to thank Bain Editor David F. Sherrod for taking the helm in the past couple of weeks from his bunker in Tejas. Good on you, mate, or whatever it is they say in Tejas. This week, we have Larry Correa talking about his new entry in the Monster Hunter International series. That book is called Monster Hunter Bloodlines. It is at booksellers everywhere, and Larry will tell us lots and lots about it. So stay tuned for that. Now here's the news. I want to remind you of the great August eARCs that are now available at Bain.com. Now, an eARC is the call of a handsome fraulein mountain goat that roams the Olympic National Forest looking for vampire layers to root out and chomp up all the bloodberries. No, no, an eARC is an electronic advanced reading copy, which we will sell to you. Uh, sometimes three, four months before the book comes out in print or is available as an ebook. And you might catch up on a new favorite, uh, new entry in your favorite series or try out something new that um, you get before anyone else gets it. Out in August in eARC form is The Romanov Rescue by Tom Crapman, Justin Watson, and Casey Ezel. Can there be a world without communism? 1918, the last year of the greatest war in human history to date. As the belligerents stagger, Russia descends into civil war and chaos. It is there that a once mighty family await their fate, but even the strongest fabric has flaws and the fabric of time proves no different. And if all these loose threads are somehow yanked out together, the effect might just be enough to rescue a desperate family a family that happens to contain the last heirs of the czars of old Russia, and perhaps the Russia that is to come. Also out in August is The Broken World E-Art by Charles E. Gannon, Fate and Revelation. Since boyhood, Druidin expected he'd command an elite legion and become the leader his father predicted he would be. Fate had other plans. Assigned to a small group of outriders, Tasked with watching nearby kingdoms, Druidin discovers that the larger world is riddled with impossibilities. How do humanoid riders, known as the Bent, suffer staggering losses and yet return as a vast horde every decade? How do multi-ton dragons fly? How have fossils formed in a world which sacrists insist has existed for only 10 millennia? To solve these mysteries, Druidin journeys into the dank warrens of the Bent, and seeks out the dragon slayer. Finally, out in August in Eark is Gunfight on Europa Station, edited by David Boop. Take the wagon train to space. The final frontier ain't so final in these, uh, there's some Tejas kind of talk, in these 12 tales of space exploration and adventure. There's a story for everyone who's ever dreamed of taking that stardusty trail to the farthest reaches of space, or of facing down a belligerent alien at high noon in a frontier settlement under the light of a strange sun. Get ready to take the hyperthrusters as you set a course for adventure, mystery, romance, and two laser gun slinging action. Yarns by Elizabeth Moon, Alan Dean Foster, Jane Linsgold, Will McCarthy, Martin Shoemaker, Alex Schwartzman, and more. Gunfight at Europa Station E-Arc, edited by David Boop. This Broken World E-Arc by Charles E. Gannon. And the Romanov Rescue E-Arc by Tom Crapman, Justin Watson, and Casey Ezel are available exclusively for your reading pleasure at Bain eBooks, Bain.com. want to welcome Larry Correa back to the podcast. Hey, Larry. 
Hey, glad to be back. I'm Larry Correas, the creator of the Wall Street Journal and New York Times bestselling Monster Hunter International series, as well as the urban fantasy hardbold adventure saga, The Grimnoir Chronicles, and the epic fantasy series, The Saga of the Forgotten Warrior. Three big series we've got going now. He is an avid gun user and advocate who shot on a competitive level for many years. Uh, before becoming a full-time writer, he was a military contract accountant and a small business accountant and manager. Larry lives in Utah with his wife and family. So uh, out at booksellers everywhere and just back from his big tour is Larry promoting this book, Monster Hunter Bloodlines. Um, here's the 3D uh, printer version of it. <laughs> so, um, which is the next solo novel in the Monster Hunter uh, in the Monster Hunter series. This is a this is a big, long-awaited new entry in Monster Hunter International series. Um, so, uh, how was that book tour? By the way, let's. Uh... It was it was crazy. It was awesome. Um, so I started. I, I drove the whole time. Uh, or so I flew into Minneapolis, picked up a rental car, and then I did stops all along my route for 4,000 miles uh, from Minnesota all the way down to New Orleans and then back up into Missouri. And I hit bookstores all along the way. I did a signing just about every day. And then I, I stopped at every random bookstore uh, anywhere near the highway. <laughs> so yeah, it was, it was nuts. Um, still had really good turnout in most places. Uh, it was really weird this year because the lockdowns, the mask mandates and some cities, they put that stuff into place like two days before I got there. Mm. Uh, surprise. Uh, but even then, we had really good turnouts, uh, big crowds in some places, had a lot of fun. Uh, I just go in to do my thing. I talk for about an hour, shoot the bull, answer questions, and then uh, sign books till they throw us out. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Um, so uh, I guess we've returned to, uh, to an Owen book um which is really cool this is a first person owen book right it is yeah so basically the the way the series is shaking out is owen uh, owen pitts the main narrator main character uh and then i i tend to do a, a an owen book or two and then it goes off in a different direction with one of the other characters for a book and then i'll be back to owen so this one's back to owen uh as you said eagerly awaited had a lot of fun with this one i think it came out really good reviews so far everybody's loving it um Biggest complaints I got is like people are like it's too short. It's the same size as the others, <laughs> but what it is is it's there's not a lot of uh, there's not a lot of fluff in this one. It's basically thirty hours, uh, so it's like a day in the life of MHI, and it just flies by. Um, sets up a lot of stuff, reveals a lot of stuff that I've been teasing for years. Uh, there's a couple big shocking twists in there that uh, I've, I've known about since Monster Hunter Vendetta, <laughs> you know, like ten years ago. And uh, I was able to finally spring that stuff on people. And so I uh, had a lot of fun with this one. It came out really good. Yeah, I mean, it felt like uh, that, that sort of thing where we're getting, I mean, we, we learned some things about Owen, uh, especially. And um, just to stalk, like the, the mechanics of the world, the, the I guess, the, the magical logic of, I don't know how, what the heck you might call it. Your plans have come to fruition. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I, I did get to do a little more of the world building, you know, stuff I, I have, you know, in my head, but it's not necessarily shown up elsewhere in the series so far. I've answered some questions, how stuff works. Um, you know, uh, basically this one is building up towards the climax of the series. You know, we're not there yet, but we're, you know, getting ready for the big final war against the big evil, super big bad uh, and uh, stealing in one of Isaac Newton's arcane super weapons, alchemical super weapons. Uh, for the end of days yeah. and uh, you know a lot of people competing to get that because it's basically like you know supernatural equivalent of, a, of an atomic bomb uh yeah. no we had, where we uh, open right at this thing all right so first of all there's Asag, right he's the bad he's he's somebody that yeah. needs to be taken care of for the he's world the big bad recurring villain of the series uh, you know we've we've been dealing with him uh for a long time and uh so we We've met him in Siege for the first time, like face-to-face. -face. Uh, discovered he's not, you know, a raw monster smash kind of villain. He's more of a string puller, chess master kind of guy. But he's still also unkillable and immortal. And uh, so they're trying, MHI is trying to figure out a way to take this guy out. 
when the uh, Isaac Newton super weapon comes up for bid on the evil underground auction. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, and it, several people get in line to steal it. <laughs> I got to introduce some pretty cool bad guys on this. Got to go into like, uh, we introduced some stuff in Monster Hunter Guardian about the uh, how the supernatural underworld works. Um, basically now if they're auctioning off horrible evil things, you can take out insurance. Uh, so we meet insurance <laughs> in this one. That is a particularly relentless bad guy. Uh, had a lot of fun with that dude. And then um, had uh, Stricken, who's a recurring character all the way since the second book in the series. And I finally get to get into his backstory a little bit. And uh, I've been waiting for that for a long time. Had a lot of fun with that. Can't give any spoilers, uh, but really enjoyed that. Yeah, it's something that Owen doesn't like. <laughs> oh God, no. Sure. no it freaks out it fre- it's gonna freak out a lot of people yeah. <laughs> so uh so we start at this i mean basically it's like a big uh it's like a christie's auction for this wood this the stone of Isaac newton um and uh, maybe you just take it all right so it's being surrounded by uh, a monster hunter squad um led by owen and it, what what's the what's going on well one of the one of the characters that we get to meet for the first time in this is somebody that uh, the fans have been wanting to meet for a long time. At the end of memoirs, we tease uh, that Chad, the main character of memoirs, had a daughter, and we never get to meet her. And the fans have been asking for years and years and years who is Chad's daughter, uh, and so we get to meet her for the first time. When she, I don't want to give away too much, but when she decides that she wants this thing for her reasons uh, and steals it, and then stuff kind of goes nuts from there. And it turns into this uh, chase uh, between various groups of human and other trying to get this thing back uh, or just do it for their own nefarious purposes. And, uh, you know, so Chad's daughter, her name's Sonia. Sonia's a great character. I had a lot of fun with Sonia. Uh, she's a kid. And so I think a lot of people forget, like, you know, time passes in this series, but the memoirs weren't that long ago, uh, relatively speaking. I mean, I'm a little, little shaky on the actual timeline, you know, it's fiction novels i can't write them as fast as people read them as fast as time actually passes uh but we meet we meet sonia uh really cool character she has some abilities uh she's got a hell of a personality and uh owen owen has to try to chase her down and you know while something much worse is trying to come kill her too and so it's uh have a lot of fun set that part in atlanta uh atlanta and the surrounding atlanta area that's right. Uh, the chase you know, leads to a particular convention that, that um, I know right you've through, attended. And I right through the lobbies of some hotels that we have all spent time in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I had some. I had. I had a good time with that. I like. I, I like. Mc- know it, but the, you know, Dragon Con in Atlanta is this huge convention that um, has a parade of all the costumers, and of course, you take her through during the parade as Owen is chasing her. Yep, and, it gets. Uh, it gets kind of nuts, uh, and then then we go off from there. And I won't I won't give too much away, but uh, what what overall happens in the book? But it's it's a it's an intense run. Uh, it's just a kind of a nonstop slugfest of uh, of really bad things trying to trying to get the treasure, and Owen trying to keep various people who are uh, in over their heads and keeping them alive, all while stricken the uh, stricken the string puller is you know maneuvering people to where he wants them. And I set up a whole bunch of stuff for the next book. And also we tease some stuff for the next uh, uh, throwback novel, the, the next memoirs novel with Jason Cordova, Monster Hunter Fever, coming out next year. Uh, we, we tease some of the characters that are in that. And, uh, and, and that, that was kind of a cool little tie-in that people will see more of soon. Cool, cool. So um, tell us a little bit more about Owen since, uh, I mean, not everyone will know his character. I, I mean, I like him because he's just a straight ahead guy. He is a human. He doesn't have any, you know, super monster he, powers. But. He's, a, he's a great character. So Owen Owen has been the main character. And I started out in the, because I was a former accountant and, or I was an accountant when I started writing the series. And the reason Owen is an accountant wasn't a Mary Sue thing. It was more that I needed the most stereotypical, mundane, boring job that somebody could have and everybody thinks of accounting when they think of a job that's just boring um so i take this guy who's an accountant uh who gets thrust into this world of secret supernatural stuff gets revealed to him 
but the thing is, he's also a huge freaking gun nut, training nut, fighting nut, uh, who grew up with a survivalist father who is preparing for the end of the world. Uh, and so this is not a normal accountant. And uh, so he gets tossed into this world and he does remarkably well at killing things. <laughs> And, and keeping a flexible perspective as everything gets all weird around him. Uh, no, so so Owen gets chosen. He gets up pretty bad, though. That's the other thing. It's like he oh, can take man. a lot of punishment and keep going. This dude gets his butt kicked. And he is accumulating injuries. It's <laughs> as serious as going on. Um, I remember there's oh, one point in the book where he just can't even remember how many times his fingers have been broken. That's the thing. It's like I don't know. The reason he's still alive is because they have orc healers. If it wasn't for Gretchen and the orcs, he would have, you know, he would have had medically retire a while ago. Uh, no, so I he's a great character. I, I have a lot of the guy's funny. Uh, it's fun to write him because he's got a sarcastic personality and authority issues, which makes for a fun character to write in a, in a world like this. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's it's the kind of guy that you know that that doesn't quake in fear when the old one comes but it's like you know you you remind me of my father <laughs> i hated him <laughs> he's great well he had, he had issues with his dad but, no he uh, didn't hate his father but he, but he does hate the old ones <laughs> so, oh yeah they're not no not. he's not a scream and run and get eaten kind of guy so no he doesn't panic uh he is fun he's a fun he's a fun character to write i, I enjoy writing from his perspective yeah. So um, a little more about Sonia, maybe her character, not to give too much, but she's um, she's part of she's kind of relentless and fun um, as well. And she likes to drive fast and just go, go, go. <laughs> well, so we, all we knew from what had been revealed in memoirs, all that everybody knew about Sonia was that her mom, her dad was human, Chad, and her mom was not. But we didn't know what she was um and so people have been guessing for a long time uh so i do actually reveal you know who sonia's you know what sonia's mom uh is and um sonia kind of has a heritage to live up to which she does not and uh she's got a chip on her shoulder and she's got a bit of an attitude which if you if you've seen her pair if you read three books from her dad you know you know where she gets it from um but no, she throws down. She's a tough girl, but she's trying to prove herself. And that said, she is a kid, so or she's well, she's a young woman, and she's in over her head. Um, she's inexperienced. This is all new to her. A lot of it's theory, <laughs> you know, based on what she can learn. That said, she does have certain superhuman abilities, which I don't want to give too much away. Uh, there, there are certain things that she can do, and uh, that come in very, very handy. And she's way tougher than a normal human being, which is, which is, and she's stronger, faster, and, and has other abilities. But, but I get in a little bit of her age, and there's a little reveal at the end that I thought was kind of cool too about that. So, uh, uh, I think people are going to like her. Um, she's not, you got to be careful when you introduce a, a new character like this deep into the series. You can't make them too overpowered or too, you know, too perfect. That's just, that's dumb. That's, that's, that's lazy, right? So she is, she is flawed. Um, that girl's got some issues. <laughs> yeah, has limitations. So, um, and Earl uh, Harbinger is also back with us, and he he kind of figures out who she is, um, or or he 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 knows her mom. <laughs> so, uh, you have a certain call. resemblance to something I fought or years ago. Yeah, like, that's a great awkward phone call between the mom and Earl about <laughs> kids. <laughs> So Earl is Earl is um is, uh, is fun and he 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 comes around a lot in this book. So um and and he and his um is it Heather who's the yeah yeah Heather, Heather unicorn works for, um, special force unicorn uh, which Earl hates uh, and she's free to leave. She's she's served her time. She could leave STFU, except she's too. Um, She's too motherly. She's too invested in the safety and well-being of the other monsters that are stuck working at STFU. And so she, out of a feeling of um, basically loyalty, is still there helping them out. And Earl really, really, really wants her quit. <laughs> and this one puts uh, MHI and STFU, you know, kind of head to head, which, you know, leads to some uh, relationship issues between Heather and Earl. 
Yeah. Neural is sort of, uh, he's sort of a, a Gandalf-like figure if Gandalf were a, a, a ravaging, uh, anyway. Angry, <laughs> chains, yes. Alabama guy. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Frank's is back as well. He's in oh, yeah. his usual fun self. Um, love right in front. I love Frank's is one of my favorite characters to write because he hates everyone and everything and has sick of your crap. <laughs> <laughs> just just the entire time you're writing Frank's, you just know he's just thinking, I got I don't have time for this. And uh, I thoroughly enjoy Frank's. Yeah. He's got there's even a moment like a almost a half paragraph for a moment Owen sees that Frank's has a moment of respect for him. Um, <laughs> Which is about all Franks will ever give anyone. So Owen has earned. Um, it's just this brief moment of, oh wow, wow, Franks doesn't, Franks doesn't think I'm complete garbage. <laughs> he just thinks he sees it in Franks' eyes. So, so is that's a close cool. compliment with that guy. Yeah, and um, so there's a there's a new bad guy as well. I don't know if have we seen Coslo before? He, uh, briefly. Um, he showed up very briefly in the memoirs. Uh, John Ringo came up with him and um, showed up. And we, we left it really super vague in the memoirs as to who he really was and what his, uh, what, what he actually was and what his powers were and what his, um, his office entails. Uh, so Coslo, you can't really call him a bad guy per se. Yeah, he's not a bad guy, but he's a. He, well, he could. Manipulator. <laughs> yeah, he's got his own purposes uh, as to what as to what he's doing. So Coslo is kind of a mysterious, threatening uh, thing uh, that uh, kind of maneuvers stuff to 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 his will. And I do drop a couple. I do drop a couple hints and as to who he actually is. Uh, but we'll see if you know nerd nerdy folklore people will get him. <laughs> and that's who he is at the moment is the new head of the of um or at least he's running the uh government uh guys right the yeah so he did that he did that back in the 80s and they retired uh or was retired and then um so he's not an official well he's not human uh but he's not an official he he's a advisor to the um Basically, he runs the show uh, behind the scenes now for MCB and STFU and the, uh, uh, the, the special subcommittee that deals with all the supernatural stuff. Because that got so incredibly, I, if you read the series, that got super screwed up in Nemesis, in Monster Hunter Nemesis. And so they brought Coslo back to kind of like, you know, uh, get, get things under control. That was Stricken's old job. I don't know. That was, yeah. Um. And Stricken is back, but Stricken, that was his job. He, that's where we meet him at the beginning of the series, right? He was the, he's yeah. the, the, when we first meet him, he's the head of Special Task Force Unicorn, the ultra secret, uh, you know, dirty dozen of, of useful monsters that they, they, the government uses for clandestine purposes. And Stricken is just a malicious, manipulative sleazebag. And you, we don't know much about him. I, everybody loves the guy because I love writing him because he's just, he's mean <laughs> and he's biting, but he's not, he's, 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 he's a smart bad guy, mm -hmm. you know? And I, I've always teased the guy has got some abilities, but it's unknown what he, he plays the cards close to the vest. Uh, and there is a awesome bit with Stricken in this book that I won't get into for spoilers, but I absolutely love it. Um, uh, that guy, and and also I will say for so for the for the the bits with Stricken, I've been planning that since I introduced him back in Monster Hunter Vendetta, and actually even kind of set up some stuff about it in Monster Hunter International in the first book. So not about him in specific, about that thing in general. So don't want to give too much away, but as a writer, I'm proud of that when you get to lay groundwork a decade in advance yeah and then you can tell uh tell your readers no i didn't just come up with this this has been planned and you know because if you go back if they go back and look there'll be little bits that'll be like oh oh crap yep yeah, they're there yeah. 
Well, let's talk about a couple of the monsters in here. Uh, first of all, there's the what is it, the Drekovac now? This oh, is stylus. Ah, um, oh, that guy. Implacable. That guy. <laughs> what is this thing? The. Okay, so basically, um, and we set it up that there are thirteen of these in in human history, and they are basically men. There they were humans once who just did something so incredibly bad that they basically just came to the attention of the forces of evil and said, and who said, dang, we got a badass up in here. <laughs> it is like, you want a job is what we have. And so Silas Carver um, is basically this uh, uh, undead Puritan uh, witch hunter. And so he's been around since the 1600s off and on and he is frigging relentless and as a monster he you have he dies but he comes right back to life and the problem is every time he dies and comes back to life he comes back stronger and to get rid of him once and for all requires killing him 13 times in one night um and as you'll see in the book that gets really really hard um i love that guy and uh there's some great bits where we're like there's a bit where stricken tries to manipulate him and and he's just, he just tells him to shove it <laughs> there's just this you know he's like this, this this dude cannot be manipulated he cannot be bargained with he can't be reasoned with he's like he's like a he's like the uh, he's like a spectral terminator you know yeah, yeah, yeah. and he um and, and what he's after is this i actually I, I really enjoyed yeah, and he takes all these different forms. Yeah, he's insurance. He is. Yeah, I, I had some fun with the shape shifting on that. Summoning spirit monsters. Uh, I, I don't want to give too much away because, like, some, some of the final fight scene just gets, just gets. I'm trying not to swear, but <laughs> it gets really nuts uh, in the fight sequence with him. That dude, that dude is the friggin' poster child for relentless. Um, and so it's, you know, in the final fight, it's like him versus, uh, you know, it's like 70 monster hunters, you know, and it's, it's and even then with all the preparations they've done and everything, it still turns into just this crazy slugfest. Absolutely love writing that guy. And the way I set it up, there's 12 more of them. <laughs> nice. So, so the, and he's after Newton's Wardstone that is... It, it's a piece of it's it's something that will allow humans to fight interdimensional beings yeah it's basically just uh uh it's a, it's an alchemical device that that warps reality uh and and it it drags human reality of our universe with it uh into the sphere those two collide it's rather explosive and uh pretty devastating to the other to the other dimension mm -hmm. and so when we get into the, the big cosmic horror monsters this is like the one thing they're you know only we don't know how to make them anymore and so what's out there is out there there's not that many and they're then they're like batteries and when the battery runs down if you don't know how to recharge it it's done yeah so we have a bit of a ticking time uh, bomb with this, though, or a clock that we got to deal with it. Also, and there's the Vatican Secret Guard. Um, who are these guys? They're cool. Guterres goes up. He's kind of he's kind of a, a, a foil to uh, Owen as well. Yeah, I love that guy. So he got introduced back in Monster Hunter Nemesis. Um, so because he got into like the the Vatican's uh, monster hunting organization, which is the oldest one on Earth and are the oldest continuous running one on earth and they're basically this group ultra secretive group of holy warriors that go around and take care of monster problems and so mhi is a private company i mean they're in it for business they're a business whereas these guys are basically mystical warrior punks and um i introduced gutierrez uh and nemesis enjoyed the heck out of them and then steve diamond wrote a story about him in the monster hunter files uh, anthology it came out really awesome. It was one of the most popular stories in that anthology. And so then uh, I brought Gutierrez back uh, for this one. And so because Vatican's actually after it too. 
for their own purposes, which actually introduces uh, the big problem and threat for the next book, which is something we haven't even ever dealt with before. Well, we kind of it's old one adjacent, but it's not something we've seen before. Um, so the so the the Vatican is trying to take care of their problem. They want the Wardstone to fight that. Monster Hunter wants the Wardstone to fight a Sog. They're both. We have one weapon and two potential world-ending threats. Uh, and so, which one do you use it on? Is 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 what that comes down to. And uh, that's the next book gets into that uh, that threat and the adventure to, to, to handle that problem. Yeah. So I've said all these different cosmic factions. Uh, they don't, they all hate us, but they don't like each other either. And uh, they fight each other just as much as they fight mankind. Uh, in fact, we're squishy and not inconsequential uh, to a lot of them. And, but they, the two, you know, the other factions hate each other. And so uh, I set up a little bit of this one about what's going to happen in the next book when uh, two of those are colliding. And we kind of get in the middle to try to make them kill each other even more. There's one other cool bad guy in here that I just like that scene is the Lich. Um, oh, yeah. That guy is such a dirtbag. <laughs> I can't remember his name at the moment. but um, um, uh, Buford, um, Buford Phipps. Yes, Phipps. Yeah. Colonel, Colonel Buford Phipps. That guy, so he was a Confederate. Uh, he was a Confederate officer uh, during the Civil War who dabbled in uh, necromancy. Uh, discovered secret evils of, of, of that and necromancer, basically. And uh, the Shackleford family, because they're Southern, uh, has run into this guy repeatedly over the last century. And they usually wind up taking him out, but you know he keeps coming back, and so they'll, they'll kill him. And about a generation later, they have to deal with him again. And so they haven't seen him for twenty years, and they come across Buford Phipps, who is just a scumbag, <laughs> yeah. powerful scumbag, very very. Seems powerful. like he might be easy at first, but then like Earl says, oh, "No, he's not easy." <laughs> yeah, no, because like this is a badass. Uh, when I get into magic stuff and Monster Hunter, because the humans don't really dabble in that, because you know we're not wired that way, but the forces of evil that dabble in this stuff, it is crazy dangerous. Like, like it is just like reality altering, bad news. Uh, you know, there's there's not good outcomes for the heroes when that stuff gets involved. Uh, so the goal there is when you're doing stuff that kill it as fast as humanly possible which mhi that they're very good at <laughs> yeah, yeah I, like, I like that guy as a bad guy but i don't want to give too much away for the plot again because we get back to stricken and stricken is a master manipulator uh the guy is just the king of you know <laughs> screwing with people so i won't say how how or why these guys all uh they all collide i should say There is, uh, what else was I going to ask about? That's the, um, so the thing about Bloodlines is, is that it's just, it's nonstop and it just keeps going and going. This is one that, that we don't have a lot of, uh, we have a lot of moments of reflection in and it's in, we meet a lot of, it's just fun because all of these things that you set up are starting to, to pop um, and, and one after another. So it's just a, a it's action-packed and information-packed kind of novel, right? Yeah, there's not a lot of downtime in this one. Um, I mean, there, there's definitely growth and character development and, like, people, you know, talk and meet and whatnot, but there's not a lot of fluff. <laughs> there's not a lot of... Yeah. There's a lot of navel-gazing in this book. You know what I mean? It's There's, it's, not, it's, there's not a set piece where the gnomes are um, having a, a fight club-like moment, but there are gnomes. They come back. Oh man, gnomes! They're off screen though this time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, obviously, obviously, Atlanta has gnomes. I mean, that's just an obvious thing. I mean, that, that's just a given that Atlanta has gnomes. I mean, look at the guys. I mean, gnomes are gnomes are just drawn to that kind of life. They love that adventure. They love that thrill. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I know. I, 
got to have, I got to have, I got to, it's cool to get to this point of the series where I've set so much stuff up that I finally get the payoffs of these things. And we're moving in, we're probably three quarters of the way or, or we're definitely over halfway through the original arc that I had planned when I first, you know, came up with Monster Hunter. And I mean, obviously that got way bigger as, as, as it went on. Uh, from what I had originally planned. And we started doing spinoff books like Alpha, Nemesis, Guardian, the Memoirs, The Files. Uh, but yeah, we're moving right along in the Owen story arc and uh, we're building towards the conclusion. And it's kind of awesome. You know, there's, I, I can't tell you exactly how many more there are. I don't know. I keep having good ideas. <laughs> and, you know, so Bloodlines is one of those that uh, is definitely building up towards towards the confrontation, though. The big epic, you know, war between the, the factions of the universe. So, yeah, totally, totally. I have the best job ever, Tony. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, the readers of it might have the best job of all. So, although they don't uh... yeah the only is this book came out last week and every every it takes me you know five or six months to write a book and uh, you know then a year later it comes out and, and it's like then it, then it comes out and everybody reads it in two or three days <laughs> and they're all like what's the next one it's right. like oh man i'm working on it <laughs> it takes a while i wish i could write them as fast as they read them but that's yeah that that'd be impossible that'd be awesome yeah well that was my next and last question is um when's the next one? <laughs> don't know yet working on i gotta talk to tony weisskopf because i got a few other things in the queue ahead of it uh the current thing i'm working on is servants of war that's the world war one uh, uh trench fantasy uh so that's uh eastern europe or eastern european style world uh with dark fairy tale magic and i'm doing that with steve diamond and I'm almost done. I just got to wrap that up. I just got to basically redo the finale because we came up with a better idea for the finale. So I got to redo that and then probably do another editing pass. So that's wrapped up. And then I got Monster Hunter Memoirs Fever with Jason Cordova. So that's the next Monster Hunter novel, but it's not the follow-on to Bloodlines. Uh, then I got the Red of the Black Sword series, uh, Saga of the Forgotten Warrior. I need to wrap that up. And I have that planned and I love that series. And I really want to get that one done because uh, it's going to be a five-book series. Uh, and then probably the next monster hunter uh but you know it just the stuff i wish i could clone myself <laughs> but but i've been i've been doing about two books a year for 12 years and so it won't be it won't take too long to get there but i'll get there yeah well we can console ourselves with the next entry in the monster hunter series which is out right now at booksellers everywhere monster hunter bloodlines um and it's cool and fun uh larry thanks so much for talking with us about uh, bloodlines always my pleasure i am luke of elephonesis the aide-de-camp and chief manservant to Calipodius Serenites, a captain in the Roman army of General Belisarius and a son of the wealthy Serenites clan of Constantinople. When he departed Constantinople for the front, Calipodius left behind a new wife. They had wed in an arranged marriage to unite two aristocratic families, one ancient and poor, the other newly risen and filthy rich. Calipodius and Anna were 17. They did not care for one another at all. Now a year had passed, and neither was the boy or girl they had been. Calipodius was blinded by a mortar shell and had become famous for his written dispatches on the war in India. And Anna? Anna was making her way through that war zone to reach her husband on the front leaving clean hospitals and the saved lives of soldiers in her wake. Both had departed Constantinople as children. Now they would meet, if they ever would, as a man and a woman. Uh, uh, Take my hand, girl. Uh, thank you, Ellis. How was it up there, girl? Did you see the sights? You may not believe me, but it was marvelous. I was scared to death, and it was goddamned marvelous. And she's even starting to swear like a soldier. 
Your uniform dress has powder burns all over it. Oh, so it does. Good thing you decided on the maroon for us, or they would show much worse. Yes, and it also hides bloodstains. That was Saints the main idea. Us. So what is the butcher's bill, Illus? How many did we lose? Not many. Uh, two men dead. Katomanis got cut pretty bad by a grenade fragment. There's also... And the orphans? What about them? I brought them into this. I told them I would protect them. Yes, we sent them below deck, of course. But that hard-blooded girl, Sunila, the leader of them, she insisted on worming her way out. She wanted to see Katomanis. Well, you know she was special to him. He was running to get her. That's how he got hit. That same grenade, it... It was quick, at least. Oh, no. She was dead oh, in an God. instant. What have I done? It's no one's fault. The girl would probably have died on the streets of Barbaricum, or something worse might have befallen her. Yes, it is my fault, Illis. I made her think she was finally safe, finally had a home. I failed her, Illis. The shrapnel is still in my brother, girl. I need you. I need you to ride that damn surgeon. Make him boil his instruments. And then the bandages will need tending the proper way. He's a bit of an ass, but he's still my brother, and I would not like to lose him. Something to do. Yes. All right, Illis. Let's go and pay a visit to that damned surgeon. It's from Amudaria, sir. All right, read it, Luke. It's... it's from her, sir. From her? Your wife, sir. I'll be damned. Read it aloud, man. D better yet, hand it to me and I'll read it. Here you go, General. All fine except Katamani's injured and little Sunila dead. Stop. Sunila, only 12 years old, feel horrible about it. Mention her in dispatches, please. Also mention Puckle Gunner Leo Stavros, splendid man. Also instruct General Belisarius make more puckle guns, splendid things. Damned if she isn't right again. Well, it goes on. Oh, this is good. <laughs> operator says message too long. Operator refuses to give his name. Mention nameless operator in dispatches. Stupid, asinine, worthless fellow. <laughs> Why do I think someone in that telegraph station has a sword at his throat? Her bodyguards are sorry, and... Oh, there's more. There's more. Victrix Captain says we'll arrive soon. We'll need new clothes. And finally, she says, I'm eager to see you again, my husband. There's no reception for the lady. Too bad. We do this quickly these days. There are Malwa spies in the reeds on the opposite bank. They message the Mawa lines to fire rockets. Here comes the barrage! That's going to come from miles away. Not very accurate. Why don't they just fire them from over there in the reeds? <laughs> oh, they did at first. But that was just pure suicide. Even those fanatical Malwa gave it up after a while. I'd feel better if you moved to the bow, girl. That'll reach the ship bunker first. Yes, I suppose. Keep moving, girl. Yes, the rockets are completely inaccurate, but they don't always miss, and any rocket that big is going to have a monster of a warhead. I take your point, Illis. All right. We're passing into the bunker now. All hands, stand by. Get those gunnel buoys out. Lash her tight, men. That's the way. Is it usually so dark? I don't know. I'm no sailor. Lower gangway! Well, here we are. It's now safe to go ashore, Lady Serenites. Be careful on the gangway. All right. Thank you, Captain. Watch your step, girl. Yes, yes, I will. But why does it have to be so dark? Strike the lights! Attention! Flourish! Good God, I forgot how loud those cornisons are! Illis, do they always bang their sword hilts on their shields like that? No, girl, they almost 
Branch and crew! General, coming aboard! Is that...? It is. Lady Serenites, we're glad you've made it. General Belisarius, Lady Macrimbolatissa wrote that your smile was crooked. Yes? I see it wasn't poetic license. <laughs> Welcome to the Iron Triangle. Your husband would be here, but there is a small dust-up going on to the south, and he is at his post in the telegraph office. Would you like me to take you there? Yes. Please take me to him, General. Place those reports from the right in progressive order from center to flank. Yes, sir. And mark them off on the terrain map. The general will want to see that third one, I believe. Everything in Masala will depend on who takes and holds the high ground. Will do, Captain. Luke, guide the captain over here, will you? Yes, General. Captain, I'm on your left. Thank you. Where are we going? The general has brought a visitor, sir. A visitor? Oh. Lady Serenites, your husband. Oh. Oh. Luke keeps it clean, but I'm afraid it's just a big pit in the ground when all is said and done. A pit covered with logs and soil. It's fine. Anna, I know how I look. I've had it described to me. You may have only expected empty eye sockets, but mortars don't obey the laws of poetry and pierce the eyes like needles. That one took half my face with it. I realize I'm hideously ugly now. It's fine. Not a problem. I've seen far worse. We've come with the baggage. Where shall we put it, sir? Luke will show you. Very good, sir. Katamines, you're on your feet again. Thanks to you, your ladyship. Seems to grow more heavy the more one carries it about. Over here will do. There's more. Quite a lot, actually. Maybe you could lend us a hand, Sergeant? I'd be happy to. It isn't far. We'll be back soon. All right. Take your time. You let those Asarians address you quite boldly. Illus saved my life multiple times, as did his brother and Abdul. I believe he can address me as he wishes. <laughs> At least he didn't call me girl in front of you. Is he accustomed to? Oh, yes. You and he, you aren't... Illus has behaved like I wish my older brother had when I was growing up. He's not my type, Calipodius. I'm afraid I don't know your type in a man. I know very little about you. I'm sorry if I... Well, I'm sorry. I am too. Anna, I don't understand why you came. It doesn't matter. I'm here now. You know, I've never actually seen you smiling till now. Hold me, Calipodius. God in heaven, Anna. How can you stand wearing something as stifling in this climate? You'll drown in sweat. <laughs> so I have often thought. We have to get you a sari, first thing. I can't have my wife dying on me of heat prostration. I have longed to wear one every time I have seen an Indian woman. If you wear a sari, it will become the new style of the empire. I have no doubt, especially if I mention it in a dispatch. You wouldn't dare. Just watch me. just be going for the night, sir. Thank you, Luke. I couldn't get by without him. In his way, much like your Illus, he saved me, too. I see that. So how's the new sari? I feel like I can breathe for the first time in months. But what will the soldiers think when they see me going about with a bare midriff? You're beautiful. I want everyone to know that. Did you think I'd forget? Come. Lie beside me. I should not have said that. To be honest, I can hardly remember what you look like. I can hardly remember myself. Kiss me. I warn you, 
We are not in Constantinople anymore. We won't be for a long time, if ever. So if I catch you with the courtesan, I'll boil you alive. The thought never crossed my mind. I'm sure it has. Well, it won't anymore. Good. I wish I could see you. It doesn't matter. Feel. This has been Eric Flint's Islands, based on the novella by Eric Flint, set in the world of the Belisarius series by Eric Flint and David Drake, starring Tracy Coppage as Anna and Paul Kilpatrick as Calipodius, featuring Lex Wilson as Illus, Jeff Aguiar as Belisarius, Izzy Berger as Sister Catherine, and Rika Daniel as Irina of Persia, with Carter, Paris Battle, Samuel Montgomery Blinn, Gray Reinhardt, PJ Mask, and Koki Daniel. Sound engineers, Barry Jacob and Craig Brandwine. Music by Maddie Karras and Sherry Leone. Adaptation and script by Tony Daniel. Directed by Jerome Davis. Bain Books publisher, Tony Wisecop. This audio drama is copyright 2014 by Bain Books. Bain Audio Drama, from Bain Books, the heart of science fiction and fantasy. For more Bain Audio Drama and great Bain Books, visit Bain.com. We hope you have enjoyed this production. That was another entry in Eric Flint's Islands. And that's it for the podcast. Thanks to podcast composer Ruth Judkowitz and a large bore black powder rifle, a lifetime supply of saltpeter, charcoal, and an unruly gnome mining camp and a semi-active volcano to get the sulfur out. Plus, thanks, praise, and gratitude to Larry Correa, author of Monster Hunter Bloodlines. Please join us next time here at the hammering heart of science fiction and fantasy and keep reaching for the stars.